Carl Wazinski here. You're listening to the Rising as One podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Rising as One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns here with two special guests, Kyle and Jeff. How are you guys doing? I'm doing well. Just, you know, happy to be back here, you know, again with you guys. It seems like it's been uh, it's been forever now. Yeah, it's great to be back with you guys. Uh, I know it's been a long time since I've uh, been away from the podcast, but it's uh, it's a pleasure to be back once again. And let the ref- record reflect that we were we were the squad during part of the 2018 season when we did win the Western Conference. So <laughs> We were a pretty solid unit there. I'd like to think we have some good karma. And then Aaron came in, um, and then we lost the USL finals. So, I don't know. Just throwing <laughs> that out there. Hey, I mean, there definitely, you know, was some uh, something behind it. Once Aaron came in, it seems like we uh, we kind of lost our way, right? That 2018 year. <laughs> well, he was he was there for some of the playoff run, too. I'll, I'll give him that. But uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, before we dive into our regular podcast format, a lot of people already saw I posted on Twitter, but um, this will be my last episode as a regular co-host for this show. And uh, I'll dive deeper into what this show and this, you know, community has meant to me, but it is pretty surreal. Um, But at the same time, I know it's the right time. There's a lot going on in my life that needs to take you know, the first priority. So, um, I want to be there for my wife. I want to be there for, uh, a kid that's on the way. So, um, that's kind of where the priorities have to lie and kind of let younger blood come in. Um, Ashley Oriana, I hope I pronounced that right, is going to be replacing me. Um, she will be on the show with Kyle and Aaron Blau long-term. Um, but since this is the last episode, I wanted to bring Jeff back and hear from him a little bit. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, it's it's been a while, and obviously, you know, when when I left uh, a year and a half ago, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of things going on in my life as well, and and you know, things things have changed quite a bit for myself. And don't get me wrong, I'm still. Uh, keeping tabs on the team. I'm still watching them from afar. I mean, you know, like you said, you, you know, you want to be there for your wife. You want to be there for your, for your soon to be born child. And I, I know those feelings uh, totally and completely. I mean, I've had to, like I said, I had to deal with some personal issues on my side and now, you know, and I have my kids, you know, now with me and, and that's been uh an important uh, part of my life the last uh, last year or so, and and uh, you know my kids still kind of watch the team as well, so it's not like they're they're missing out on anything. They know what's going on and they enjoy it, and and so you know hopefully one day again soon once I really get back on firm solid ground and that uh, I'll find myself back out at the soccer field uh, covering games again and. Uh, uh, hopefully providing some more insight uh, behind the club. So uh, we'll see uh, what the future brings. 
yeah, it's it's really cool to have you back. Um, kind of takes it back to the old days in 2017 when we were all getting together for episodes, and um, that was such an exciting time back then. You know, the team was really just starting to blossom after those tough first few seasons, and uh, it just all felt like, I mean, in a way, it felt like an expansion year. Um, the fan base was just growing so tremendously with that new stadium. And then with Didier Drogba, um, in retrospect, it was a pretty special season and uh, so privileged to be able to cover the team and be part of that and share that with you. That was really cool. Well, and, and, not, and not just that. I mean, it was also, you know, the changing of the guard, so to speak, is, you know, to bring in soccer-minded people to head up the organization and you know, to, to see such a big change and, you know, not to not to ever forget what uh, what Kyle Lang had done, you know, to keep soccer alive in the state of Arizona. But, you know, to see the change from him to to Burke Bakai and his group and, you know, the, the things that uh, Bobby Dooley uh, did and still continues to do for this club. And, you know, the things that Sam Dora had done and even though Sam has moved on you know, to, to bigger and better things here in the Valley. Um, you know, just, just to watch the evolution of, of, of from one group to the other, obviously was the big culture change at that time. And, and it was a great thing to see. And, and you still continue to see it today as many people around the league, you know, continue to talk about Phoenix rising as, as one of the, the, the big attractions uh, to, to come play for and to come be with just because of the culture that they create around, uh, around the Valley. And that's such a great thing to see and, and a great thing to hear. And now Kyle, it's on you, Aaron and, uh, Ashley to keep things rolling. Um, keep the coverage at a high level because we've got a lot more competitors now. <laughs> I wouldn't call them competitors more like collaborators, but there's a lot more, uh, a lot more talent covering this team. And I think that's a good thing. You're absolutely right. You know, absolutely. I would not say competitors, definitely collaborators. Um, because I mean, we're all, you know, a part of this community supporting, you know, not only Phoenix, but the greater, you know, state of Arizona and soccer here in the state. Um, yeah. I mean, big shoes to fill for sure. And, you know, you guys are, are going to be missed and I'm sure, sh- the first couple episodes it'll take you know a bit of getting used to uh having you know having new co-hosts but it's uh it's something that i'm looking forward to and i just you know i can't wait to get back to start talking about this team again and and getting engaged with the community just make sure i told ashley this keep aaron in check because (laughs) (laughs) we we can't have him just totally running roughshod over the show you gotta gotta keep we that can't man. Let it turn into Aaron's rants. Yeah, well, you I'm got, with you there. Hey, there's nothing <laughs> wrong with a little rant here and there. I've had my share, but <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think you guys you, will be great. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, though, guys. Uh, this podcast is getting a great mind in Ashley, uh, somebody who has a, a great vast knowledge of soccer experience, and you know she's she's done a lot of photo shoots for us and and you know we, we had her attend an international event one time and she helped us there it was a great time and 
I, I think Ashley's going to fit in quite well with, with the two of you guys. And I think that will, uh, you know, will will bring a great presence. And like you said, you know, it, it's not just, it's not just collaborators, you know, it's, it's, if you look five years ago and said, would you have as many people talking about Arizona soccer on podcast? I'd have told you, you were flat lying, you know, but it's great to see that you have so many people. It's, you know, it's not just us. It's, it's, it's Joseph Lowry, you know, you know, over with rising tactics. It's, it's, uh, Kevin from, uh, Kevin Gates from PRFC, you know, it's, you know, it, it's it's just great to see that we have so many people wanting to talk soccer in the state of Arizona, and it's it's a joy to it's joy to to, to see it happening. You know, right before our eyes. Preach that is that is the truth. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Feel the same way. Well, again, I think we'll get back onto this stuff more towards the end of the show when we kind of reflect a little more, but. Um, there's actually a lot of team news to cover this week for the first time in ages. So let's get into that. Um, yeah. I mean, first off, before we get straight into the season stuff, um, I think the number one thing on a lot of people's minds right now is the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, this pushback against police brutality and kind of systematic racism that's happened in this com- country for a long time. And, Phoenix Rising once again showed that it was on the right side of history. Um, They were one of the first USL clubs to put out a statement in support of Black Lives Matter last weekend. And then during the midweek, the players, uh, they had a video of them coming together, rising as one um, against these systematic injustices and the police brutality that has impacted this country. Um, A lot of players have been active on social media um, saying that Black Lives Matter, especially John Beccaro and Solomon Asante, um, they both tweeted about it. Um, Eric Dick, our new goalie, he had something too, although he said all lives matter, which um, definitely got some pushback. And I don't know if that's the right message. Hopefully he had some time to reflect on that and uh, realize Maybe that's not the best wording and the best way to look at it, but what are you guys' thoughts on what Phoenix Rising has done? I, I think it was great. You know, it's like you said, you want to be on, on the right side of history and, you know, in, in a time that, you know, it's, it's very, you know, um, emotional for a lot of people. And it's one of those things that not everyone has, you know, experience that the black community has you know with this with this uh, racial racial violence that you know a lot of them has seen but being able to understand and get behind them and say you know this may have not affected me but this is wrong um you know that's what we need to do as a community and as a country i think that you know the the movement to start to do that is is huge and i you know i hope that this you know is finally the last time that uh something like this happens and that we have to you know have these protests and these riots and things that, you know, lead, um, are a result of this, of this violence and this, you know, this event that should have never occurred with George Floyd. But, um, I, I really hope, you know, that, that at the end of this, we're able to see, you know, not that, you know, sadly someone did lose their life, but that we were able to rally around this and come together, 
Um, and just as one, I mean, personally, me, I, I really don't see color as a person. I've never been that kind of that kind of person to where I'll, I'll uh, you know, feel about someone some way, just regardless of the color of their skin. So for me, it's it's something that I, while I don't have, you know, I don't deal with it in my regular life. I know that it's an important movement and I'm happy to see that Phoenix Rising is, you know, in support of it. Yeah, I'm I'm glad as well. Phoenix Rising took the took the lead on this. Uh, you know, obviously, it's a tough time in our in our nation seeing what's happening all over the country. You know, you you hate to see uh, the the rioting that goes on with with a lot of these protests. You know, most most have been peaceful. There have obviously been the ones in in a lot of the major cities where you know, looters have, have kind of made what some of these protests are, you know, making them look bad. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's not as much those people as it is the ones that are peacefully protesting that, you know, are really, you know, the ones that are, they're making the stance. Um, but like I said, you know, getting back to Phoenix rising, it's great to see that they took the lead, uh, I saw a great interview on uh, channel, I believe, I believe it was channel three uh, the other day with coach chance uh, talking about the, the whole situation. And, you know, he says, he says, it's not hard for our group, you know, because we have so many individuals that are from different countries that have dealt with this on a regular basis. And, and I think that's what makes Phoenix rising stand out above all the others and, and made them, able to be one of the first teams to make that stance because i mean you do look at it and you do you you have a john baccaro who's who spent a lot of his time in spain you've got a solomon asante who spent time in ghana and you have you know kavan lambert and you know and and you know you, you see all these guys from all these different nationalities and they all come together they obviously all come together for the for the one singular goal to play soccer but for them to all come together at a point where our country is in such dire straits and see them put out this message of, you know, rising as one standing up against uh, black life, you know, standing up for black lives matter, you know, you can't ask for anything better from an organizational standpoint than to see them do this. And, you know, I, again, we applaud the, the organization, time and time again for the things that they do, whether it's, you know, something for the fans, whether it's something to deal with the organization, whether it's something to deal with a national issue like this, Phoenix rising always takes and, and pushes the bar for everybody else. And I I love seeing that. It's a lot easier to uh, support this club when you know that the front office, the coaching staff and the players, um, all have the right mindset on not just this, but a lot of a lot of issues that matter to our community and the nation. Um, and I, I think it is I think it is important to um, say that color does matter, um, and that you know you have to see how the black community has been mistreated for so long, and uh, and acknowledge it. And that's what this team has done. And uh, even given the players a platform to speak. I don't think every team has given players the opportunity to speak. Um, there was a great piece by uh, BGN Written 
where five USL players from different clubs um, came together for that. And there's been some good podcasts, too, about the uh, Black Lives Matter movement. But there are also clubs that have, you know, pretty conservative ownership, um, people that aren't seeing this as the human rights issue it is that's not even a political issue. And uh, so I'm just happy that our club is giving players and coaches the platform to uh, to express themselves. I think that's very important. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, Dominic. And, and, and that's the one thing that, you know, I think it, these players, um, you know, they have big followings. They, they're active on social media and being able to use that platform along with, you know, their platform as an athlete, as, you know, someone that young kids will look up to and aspire to, seeing, you know, that these athletes, how they behave and, and you know, what they stand behind. I think, you know, that's good for, for the youth and, you know, the rest of our community. So uh, props to everyone, you know, just for, for doing the right thing. Yeah, well, um, again, as I mentioned, a lot of other, you know, people and podcasts have much more eloquent words to say on this, but we definitely wanted to give it the coverage that it deserves and, and really address that before we go anywhere else. Um, but for, you know, more in-depth conversations, there are a lot of other places to go. So, um, well, we'll leave it at that for now. Um, the other big news in the league is the USL announced Jeff Reeder of The Athletic broke the story, but uh, the USL announced that there is a plan in place for the league to provisionally return to play starting July 11th. Um, full details of this are unknown. Schedules are unknown. But it's believed to be a regional setup. And, um, you know, each club is going to have to deal with it on a state-by-state -state basis. You know, how many fans are going to be let in what are the distancing procedures going to look like? Um, you know, you have states like Texas where facilities already can operate at 50% capacity. Um, that was just announced this week. Then you have states like California where, um, you know, sports can happen without fans, but they're not looking at letting spectators in, you know, anytime soon, unless the, the outlook just completely changes in the next month. So, it's, it's going to have to be dealt with on a club-by-club -club basis, but the USL is looking to return to play. There will not be a major hub city. Each club is going to use their regular home venues. Um, and, I mean, Jeff, you've heard some things about the number of matches in the season. I don't know if you wanted to give some insight there. Yeah, I've seen a couple of sources. Uh, uh, one source from uh, Tampa Bay and then also a source from uh, St. Louis that have both said that they that they're hearing that it's possibly going to be a 16 game schedule uh, when the season resumes. Um, obviously, that would lead you to believe, okay, now if you're going to cut the schedule down to 16, uh, you know, you know, you're you're also also talking about you've got to be going to probably a regional setup just because of you know a lot of travel issues and stuff like that. So it'll, I think what'll be interesting to see in the next say week or two, as we start to see more details come out about what the plan's going to be is okay. You know, 
you know, are, are they going to go to like a, you know, everybody California in the West coast stays in one division and then do you lump in the Nevada teams or does, you know, does, does Phoenix rising fit with the California teams or do they fit more with like a more Southwest type of group, say with, with like a Colorado and a, a New Mexico and the Texas teams and the Oklahoma teams. And it'll be interesting to see how things kind of work out in the next couple of weeks uh, as far as, as where things will return. Now, as far as fans are concerned, obviously that's another issue. Like you said, you know, Texas operate can operate at 50%. Uh, uh, Louisville I'm hearing is talking about whether they're going to, Uh, be able to get like maybe a third of their fans into the seats in their stadium. How would Phoenix rising, you know, here's an even bigger one is how would, how would the banditos and, and uh, the red fury uh, work with, with social distancing would not, (laughs) would not work between those two groups. I mean, cause, cause you know how they love to be together and, and, and be patrolling that South end, but obviously, you know, something would, Something would have to work in that uh, capacity, but but uh, you know those are all things to be determined uh, through the next few weeks. Um, you know we hope that things kind of come back to some sort of a normal. I, I don't think we can be there for a while just because of of what we see out there, but you know any, anything's possible at this point. So. Yeah, Kyle, um, if it does end up being a 16-match season, um, it makes sense. The USL has 36 teams, so you can split it into four regions of nine. And uh, that kind of leaves us and Real Monarchs kind of on the bubble because you have like eight teams that are pretty solidly in that southwest kind of region when you talk about Colorado Springs, New Mexico, and then Oklahoma and Texas teams. Then you have that Pacific region where you have Timbers 2, Tacoma, the California teams in Las Vegas. Um, And then us and Monarchs are kind of the ones that are going to get siphoned off. Would you rather be in that Pacific division or in that Southwest division? You know, I I think the Pacific division, we talked about it off air, just, you know, the number of, of the MLS two teams that are in that division and just, just the opponents themselves. Um, I mean, being able to play Orange County, a few of those teams, I, I San Diego Loyal as well, I would like to see, you know, rising play against them. But um, I really, I could kind of see us going either way, as you said. We're kind of, us in Real Monarchs, we're in a situation to where we could kind of be grouped into either region, um, it's it's going to be super interesting, and, and you know we're just speculating right now that this is going to be how it plays out. But to me, this logistically makes the most sense, and it's it's the fairest way to allow you know every team an opportunity to still make playoffs in this shortened season. Um, I think you know certainly the Pacific Division would make things easier for Phoenix Rising in the regular season. However, the uh, the fan in me kind of wants to see us go toe to toe with the, uh, you know, some of the tougher op- opponents in our conference um, to get two matches with New Mexico, two matches with El Paso, two matches with Colorado Springs, um, San Antonio, Tulsa, who's supposed to be making a leap this year. If you want to 
be the best. You have to beat the best. And uh, it'll certainly make for some more intriguing, entertaining games. And maybe a regular season that better prepares us for the postseason grind. Um, so personally, I kind of want to see us challenged in the regular season. Um, even if it means maybe we don't finish first in the Southwestern Conference where we would in the Pacific. You know, so be it. Like, the ultimate goal is to win the USL Cup. Now that we know that there's likely going to be a season and there likely will be a cup awarded, like, I want to see us go up against the best competition. And, you know, then you have three quarters of the Four Corners Cup on the same side. So that's kind of cool, too. Um, but that's just my two cents. I mean, they're all great points. Um, and, and, I mean, you know, in this season that, I mean, I, I agree with you playing the toughest opponents would definitely set us up best um, for a chance at the cup and, and just, you know, even have an opportunity to play when, you know, so many other sports I think are going to end up having their seasons foregone. I mean, and even in France, you know, in league one, they didn't even finish out the season there. So the fact that we even get to see, you know, Phoenix rising, take the field again is going to be great. Um, but I, I'm with you. I mean, you, you definitely want to earn your title. And I think, you know, that, that Southwest region would be the way to do it. And, um, I mean, no matter, you know, if Phoenix Rising finishes with the top seed, I think we talked about it last year, is the the number one seed is really not the place to be um, going into playoffs. So, you know, if, if they're not able to do that but are able to make it in, I think we all would be would be satisfied with that. And I think Rick Chance uh, welcomes a challenge. And any time that you can put Phoenix Rising up against uh, New Mexico a couple of times and El Paso a couple of times and even even if the monarchs were to be grouped with them a couple of times, and I, I think Rick Chance would welcome that with open arms and just say, "Bring it on," because we love a challenge. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun, uh, regardless of how we're grouped, um, and just to see what the other divisions look like. But uh, something else that I just thought about: if we are grouped in that Southwest division. And Monarchs goes to the Pacific. The Southwest, the Southwest Division would have no teams that are MLS, like fully MLS affiliated. There would be no two teams in that division, which is pretty cool. And it says something about um, the growth of soccer in this country, where you can have an entire region that's not relying on a two-team. This is very true, and you know, we—I think two or three years ago, we wouldn't have believed we had seen a situation like that, considering that, you know, more than half the teams I would say in the league at the time were all MLS two teams, and uh, and yeah, it just—you hear so many people say, well, soccer isn't really doing that well in the United States, and yet here you are seeing all these independent clubs popping up, you know, and there, there's even more to come. I mean, there's, there's, uh, you know, there's rumors of a, a league one team that's going to play in Nebraska next year. I mean, soccer in Nebraska, who would have said that years ago? I mean, it's amazing to see where, where you hear a lot of these teams are popping up all around the place. Somebody tell me 
soccer's dead? No, it's not. I mean, soccer is alive and well, and it, it's ready to boom. I'm, I'm telling you that right now. Well, and we're getting closer and closer to the 2026 World Cup, which I think um, will really take things to another level. Um, that's the year that we co-host with Canada and Mexico, but the lion's share of those matches will be in the U.S. Um, so that'll be really neat to see and uh, probably add to some league expansion. Um, I don't know. I, I'm trying to put a wrap on, you know, what a season would look like. Here's here's a topic that matters in that discussion. Will there be a U.S. Open Cup? Um, as you guys know, the MLS is planning to do a tournament in Orlando, and it was released this week that the winner of that tournament gets an automatic CONCACAF Champions League bid. I feel like that's the MLS saying there's not going to be an Open Cup, and that competition, in essence, replaces the Open Cup. That doesn't seem fair if that's the case. Is there going to be an Open Cup if, you know, the MLS goes through with that Orlando tournament? Because then you're talking about those MLS teams being locked in Orlando until, you know, early August, and there wouldn't be a chance to start the Open Cup until mid to late August at the earliest. Um, you could go with some sort of a bridge, like 16-team version that puts a few amateur teams in there, a handful of MLS sides, and maybe a few USL clubs. But, and, and someone even posted that on Reddit a couple months ago. I thought it was interesting, but I think with the MLS doing this tournament, I think that's a sign that there's not going to be an Open Cup this year. What are your guys' thoughts? Well, I remember seeing a similar – I remember the report you're talking about, Dominic, and I want to say it was – I want to say it was ESPN that, that did something, and they actually had it, I believe – and I'm trying to remember correctly. I, I want to say they had it as an eight-team tournament. And that Phoenix Rising was one of the eight teams that was involved. I believe it was them and Louisville City, along with, um, along with a couple other teams. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'd be open to the to the ESPN idea because obviously you're not gonna you're not gonna have League Two for USL because they've already canceled the season. A lot of the the League One teams are not interested in putting together a team for an open cup run. The amateurs are, you know, yeah, yeah, there's probably one or two amateur teams that would love to have a shot, you know, but a lot of them were, were canceling out because of, of, you know, what NCAA was saying about certain things and other stuff like that. But, you know, I, Hey, take the two teams. Take take the two top teams from last year from from USL. Stick them in with, say, the cup winner, the regular season points champ, and maybe like the semifinalists from last year, and and call it good. I, I, that that seems like a somewhat of a fair idea. I mean, you know, it does. I, there's a it does. I just don't. I don't know. My gut says that that's not going to happen because the Open Cup 
has always has always awarded one um, CONCACAF Champions League berth, and it seems like this Orlando tournament is set up for that one CONCACAF Champions League berth, and then MLS would still allocate the other ones based on, okay, who gets the President's Cup, who wins the league, um, and then maybe the conference uh, finalist in the cup. Uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, maybe the regular season gets devalued in MLS and they just give, you know, they do one spot from the Orlando tournament, one spot from an abbreviated open cup and the other two, just whoever wins each conference in the playoffs. But I, it, to me, it looks like they're doing that Orlando tournament to replace the open cup. And of course, to like keep their TV deals and make money like that, and all that good stuff. I have nothing wrong with any of that. Get the players paid. Well, you know, you know another thing, and I don't know if there's any validity to to you know what I've heard in the past, but I wonder if uh, I wonder if the higher ups in in the league uh, might be talking to Concacaf about you know not getting say an automatic spot but maybe earning a spot in say like a qualifying round or something i wonder if i wonder if the league is trying to to go after something like that maybe to to prove some worth because you see all these other leagues you know in other countries getting they get they get berths yeah but they don't get an automatic berth they have to go through the qualifying tournament to get into the actual tournament itself, I wonder if if they're trying to do something like that and get you know, to to get uh, you know the this league an opportunity to 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 vie for it. I mean, I, I don't see the harm in that either. And it, it seems like that's probably the long term outcome that's going to happen um, now that the World Cup is expanding and that's kind of set as a huge precedent. Um, these domestic competitions are going to have no problem expanding now. Um, I would not have, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if in 2030 the CONCACAF Champions League gets expanded to maybe 24 teams and there's a round to get it down to 16. And maybe Phoenix Rising or whoever wins the USL can enter in that round of 24 and play their way into the round of 16 where you know, maybe the MLS teams and the Liga MX teams get the automatic bursts to that round. Or who knows, you know, maybe even 32 teams. Um, expansion seems to be the way things are going. So I think that's the yeah. long-term outcome. Uh, I was just going to say, I mean, you know, with, with these, you know, TV deals and, and viewership, you know, funds and how, how much money they can make, how much revenue can be generated by playing these games. Um, it never surprises me. You know, I don't think there could be too much of a cap on expansion when you have a, when you have these high dollar games involved. Now, here's a question going back to this USL season. Do you think that Phoenix Rising benefited from the uh, COVID layoff in comparison to other USL teams, do you think everyone's kind of in the same boat or do you think the layoff hurt Phoenix? Cause we were off to such a flying start and then immediately 
there's this halt in the action. I, I don't think there was, I don't think there's a lot of difference between a lot of the clubs because I'm sure a lot of the clubs operate similarly to, you know, the way Phoenix rising does the house. They, they house most of their team in the, in the same locations. Yeah. I, I think some of the, some of the two teams, you know, some of the MLS two teams might suffer a little bit because it seems like that when their players, you know, when they, when they all found out about the situation, they all kind of took off and spread out and went to, to the areas where they, they needed to be. I think, you know, Teams like us, teams like New Mexico, teams like El Paso, you know, I think those teams are probably just as well set as as anybody else because, like I said, most of their most of their teams are are housed together, they stay together, they train together. I, I'm sure Phoenix Rising guys have been working out in the gym at 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 their apartment complex, keeping themselves busy the entire time while they've been waiting. Now that the fact that they're they're back on the field and they can do four and six player training sessions, you know, with, you know, limited contact and stuff like that, you know, it, it gets them out now. But I mean, but I think for the most part, I think you know, most of these teams have, have, are probably going to be on the same level. Yeah, Kyle, what do you think? I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think you know had it. Had we maybe been farther into the season and gotten more matches under our belts and, you know, really put a good string of form together, I would say, uh, yeah, maybe it would have, you know, affected us a bit and allowed other teams to get to our level. But being that, you know, we just completed preseason and there was still a few guys, Sam Stanton, Jack Barnby, who hadn't, you know, had too much time with the team. I think, you know, this this ultimately could be a good thing, allow these guys to, you know, gel together, go through this period of, you know, being on lockdown together, not only, you know, becoming familiar, you know, personally and in their personal lives, but on the pitch as well in these small session practices. Um, I mean, I'm sure right now that's that's every day they're waking up and just doing practice and doing the same routine and, and doing it right now in the dog days, you know, as summer's starting to get hot. Um, this will be, you know, a good test for them. They'll get their fitness in, sh- in, uh, in time. And I, I think, you know, it's just another, you know, another reset to our season. And, and until we start playing games, we can't say that it totally affected us, but I think we'll come out on the strong side of this. I'm with you, Kyle. And, and here's why, you know, when I was doing the preseason preview and we were looking at regular USL schedule, I wasn't super bullish on Phoenix finishing first in the regular season in the Western Conference. And the reasoning was the schedule is such a long grind and they really want to focus at the task at hand, which is winning the USL Cup. And so maybe, you know, maybe injuries happen. Maybe they make a deep U.S. Open Cup run and that impacts the uh, the in-season form. And maybe they just fall down a spot or two. It's a long season, and you have to conserve your energy. Well, now we're looking at more of a sprint. Um, and other teams don't have the depth to deal with this situation like Phoenix Rising has. You know, Phoenix has the luxury of having, you know, 18, 19 starting quality USL players on the roster. So we could put out almost a completely different starting 11 for a midweek match and then, you know, the completely different starting 11 on Saturday 
and still be great, you know, still be fine to win both those matches. I don't know if there's any other teams in the Western Conference or in USL at all that have that kind of depth. Um, and when you're talking about a 16-game schedule that doesn't start till July, you're talking about a lot of um, stretches where you're going to have midweek matches. We'll be able to rotate and we'll be able to deal with this travel and keep the guys fresh, and other teams won't. And the fact that there's a shorter season, um, it's going to keep everyone's eyes you know, focused on the task at hand. There won't be any opportunity for lulls because the playoffs start in uh, you know three months or three and a half months after the regular season starts. So I, I think this really benefits Phoenix Rising. And, uh, you know, maybe our regular season form is better, but it, it's certainly going to keep everyone focused the whole way. Yeah, I totally agree with you on the depth issue. I mean, you know, that that's I, I, if there's one thing that, that Phoenix Rising has always prided themselves on over the last two or three years, it's been making sure they had a depth of players to choose from. And obviously now, like you're saying, with it, with it being a sprint, you know, you, you exactly said it yourself. You you could come out with a totally different 11 on Wednesday and then turn around on Saturday and have another totally different 11. You know, how many teams can actually sit there and boast the fact and say, uh, you know, 11 guys, you can run out 11 guys once you run out a new 11. There aren't many teams that can actually say they can do that. I mean, granted, you're going to have one or two guys that you'll trust that you're going to keep in the lineup no matter what. I mean, I get, I get the, the one that, that would, would not surprise me if you left your two center backs in playing 90 minutes on a Wednesday and, and, and you know, maybe 70 or 80 minutes on a Saturday, I could, I could see that totally happening. But I mean, for the most part to, to be able to turn over two sets of 11, that would just be absolutely phenomenal and set Phoenix rising up you know, perfectly for, 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 for a sprint run. I mean, a sprint run and, you know, playoffs because, you know, inevitably injuries, illness, that, that kind of stuff always comes around, you know, as the important games come up. So having guys that can, you know, plug in at, at any position and, and be able to come in from, you know, having regular minutes throughout the, the regular season, it's going to be huge. And, and I, you know, these guys, um, that's the one thing that I think as a unit, we really are, will be able to compete well together. And I really look forward to it. I think, you know, our first preseason, I really liked, you know, the way this team came together and how they were able to, you know, start start putting together a good on the field product. I think, you know, the second preseason, um, it should just, you know, improve upon that. And, and we really should see a, a complete team that, you know, has two starting 11s. Um, that could go out there up against the best of any USL team, I think. Yeah, so I think that's one thing that fans can be really excited about um, is that we should be well positioned um, to handle this shorter, you know, more fixture-packed USL season than a lot of other clubs. Um, especially if we get thrown into the Pacific Division and we're playing a lot of two clubs, that could work out quite nicely for us. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else that you guys wanted to bring up as far as the team is concerned? Um, I don't think there's been, you know, too much 
on that front because, you know, there's no international fixtures to speak of, you know, no one coming or going um, transfer-wise. Anything else that you wanted to discuss there? Well, I think one more thing, one more thing to discuss as far as, you know, you know, with the Phoenix, you know, with Phoenix Rising and, and, and the schedule and the sprint and everything. I also look at the fact that Phoenix Rising is probably one of the first clubs that's been able to get out and, and hold practices just for the simple reason of, uh, you know, the state opening up when it did and allowing things when it did. You know, I think one of the things that helped in that area is the fact that that, you know, when Governor Ducey said he wanted pro sports to be happening in the state as soon as it possibly could, you know, gave gave us the opportunity to kind of open up a little bit before everybody else did. So I think if it, like we like we say, you know, I think if anybody's going to have an advantage coming out of all this, I think it's going to be us because we've had we've had the opportunity to do these things in advance. So. That's a great call. Um I think that was something I was thinking about, but it didn't even come to mind to say it because it just seemed so obvious. But right, Phoenix Rising players have been able to practice since, you know, almost a month ago. Other clubs are just starting to get back together for training sessions now. I mean, how much of an edge is that, especially for guys who hadn't had a lot of time to train with the team, like Jack Barbie, like Rufat Dadashov. Now you guys... Now these guys have all this time to get more acclimated to their teammates in uh, lower pressure situations. And then when the lights actually come on a month from now, everyone's going to just be so ready. So that's, that's a good call. Um, and you and you can't tell me, you can't tell me that, that there haven't been some fun sessions, you know, going just going to play at a public park while this whole thing's been sitting down you you know that these guys probably have gotten out there a lot as well and you know even though it they they can't be quote unquote organized sessions you know you can't tell me these guys didn't try to go have a little fun at a park just horsing around while waiting this whole thing out i think that's probably i think a lot of that probably has happened too No doubt. And uh, I'm sure that Kyle, Aaron, and Ashley will cover the return of USL in more depth before the matches actually start next month. Um, I'm sure they'll do some sort of, you know, season preview, storylines to look for, all that good stuff. But uh, there's no need to dwell on that too much because we're still so far from it. Um, I was just thinking there's such a cool park, Indian Bend Park. Um, and it's super close to the team facility, they have these little small goals. I'm sure that the rising guys have gone over there for some three-on-three three or four-on-four. Four. If they haven't done that, they really should check it out because uh, when the grass is in good condition there, it's a really fun uh, kind of spot. They have nets in the goals too. It's kind of a fun spot. But you know, no Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's been, you know, plenty of pickup games between these guys and just you know just to keep them fresh and and you know to keep the keep themselves you know engaged in the game because uh like we talked about no no internet 
national fixtures. Not, you know, only j- just Germany started two weeks ago. So I'm sure, you know, the players, as much as the fans, have been deprived of, of this beautiful game and, you know, just looking to engage any way they can. No doubt. Um, well, with that all being said, let's kind of jump off the script a little bit before we wrap things up. And and uh, it's it's been pretty crazy having this show and having the opportunity to be a part of like building the voice for Phoenix Rising and building a building a soccer community locally and in the state. Um, it's crazy to think about, but when we started, uh, the Beautiful Game Network did not have a ton of podcasts, especially out west. They had some really good ones already going out in the Eastern Conference, but the Western Conference Network was pretty underdeveloped. I mean, they had, you know, Sacramento Republic was a well-covered team. Um, RGV certainly had some coverage. Colorado Springs certainly had a podcast, but, you know, in general... The Western Conference was kind of a no-man's land, and there weren't a lot of voices taking it seriously, um, taking the team seriously, taking the matches seriously. Um, that's maybe not what our explicit goal was when we started, but I think the uh, you know there was some effect for that. We saw a lot of Western Conference clubs you know, get podcasts either with BGN or independent of that in the years that followed, and... I think everyone started taking the Western Conference games more seriously as clubs started to build independently, like Phoenix, um, especially once you got Orange County taking the next step in 2018, and then you got great expansion clubs like El Paso and New Mexico. San Antonio having a great 2017 season. All of that kind of has legitimized the Western Conference, and uh, I'm glad that we had the opportunity to kind of start the conversation about the West and, you know, cover this club and and cover a lot of the Western conference matches too. Um, I know that that's something Jeff and I took a lot of pride in and uh, really enjoyed. I mean, we didn't spend time on the East as much because it doesn't really matter unless you make the cup final, but it's kind of cool to see that happen and then see the growth around us too. Yeah, it was definitely interesting times back then. You know, it, it was, you know, like like you said, we were just beginning to broach the concept of of a wanting to do this podcast and b trying to uh, legitimize the coverage, you know, of this club. And you know, obviously, I started, you know, covering this club, you know, back in 2016 when I when I was working. Uh, for the Arizona Republic and, and got them to uh, give me the platform to cover this team. And obviously, you know, having that, that big uh, open cup run that year and, and, you know, with that, with that ending up with a, uh, a fourth round loss to LA galaxy, you know, the only opportunity that this team is, is, is seen MLS uh, quality players uh, uh, show up and play. Um, you know, translating that into, you know, then working for Firebird Soccer, uh, you know, continuing to cover the team and then obviously moving on into, you know, into uh, 
the rising is one podcast with, with, with you, Dominic. And then obviously, you know, uh, Kyle joining on a little bit uh, further in the process, but obviously you can see the passion that we all have to cover this game and the, the passion that we have of, of enjoying a sport that, that just uh, transcends everything. You know, you, you can't ask for anything better. Um, I will always be indebted to, you know, my, my people at the Republic for allowing me the opportunity to do that um, and get my foot in the ground somewhere, so to speak. Um, obviously I don't have as many ties as I used to have with them, you know, now as I, as I, as I move on, but, you know, having that, having said that, you know, it's working with individuals like, like you, Dominic and you, Kyle, and working with individuals like, you know, Jose Bosch, uh, with the club and working with Kyle Kepner and working with Aaron Blau and, 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 and Ashley or Oriana and, you know, just, just seeing that everything has improved so much over the years, you know, that this team being covered is in good hands, always has been in good hands and will continue to be in good hands. Even as we move forward, uh, through all of this. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's amazing to see kind of in hindsight that, you know, here we were, you know, you, me, and Matt Trainer at the beginning, three people that were just, hey, man, this is a crazy idea. I don't think there's anything, anyone covering this team, like in a podcast form. Why don't we just try this out, see how it goes, um, see if anyone listens. And, uh, and it really blew up a little bit more than we could have expected. Um, and then everything that offshot from that, you know, now you have Owen Joe show, you have Arizona soccer radio, you have, uh, Jake Anderson with the Arizona Republic or with AZ central, excuse me. Um, he has his show too. I think there was even, um, another fan that was trying to start a coyotes and Phoenix rising podcast. There's, um, Kevin Gates with the PRFC fan show. All of this stuff has, you know, just taken off. But if we didn't start this podcast back in 2017, maybe that inspiration wouldn't have come. Maybe it would have taken longer for that, you know, groundswell to develop. Maybe they got tired of listening to us and they're like, well, we can do it better. Um, (laughs) But if you don't have us to listen to, maybe people don't get that inspiration. So, um, it's kind of cool that things have grown since we started this and that it really did have more of an impact than I could have imagined. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, for me, like, like Jeff mentioned, I came in, um, before the 2018 season. And for me, you know, I found this podcast just, just following the team and, and, you know, seeing you guys, um, post stuff on Twitter and started listening to you guys, you know, after your first couple episodes. And, and for me, you know, I, I really 
just liked the content you guys were putting out and it seemed like you, you know, you guys were, you know, three normal guys just sit, sitting and talking about, you know, a team that I myself was personally invested in. And, and, you know, when, when Matt ended up leaving and I reached out to Dom just, you know, kind of wondering, Hey, are you guys looking for another member? I'd love to, you know, become a part of the team and just, you know, engage in this community if possible and was welcomed with open arms. And I think, you know, that right there, it, it just, it's a testament of how welcoming this community is and in, in how we've been able to really create something. And, you know, uh, um, me and Dom, you know, we're not really involved in any form of journalism or media. We just, you know, found something we were passionate about and started talking about it and people decided to listen. And um, I think having Jeff, you know, there, the professional being able to, you know, steer us in the right direction was, was a huge help when I started. And I've just tried to, you know, take what I've learned from each episode and, and continue to build off that. And it's crazy how far this thing's gone. You know, and that's the important thing is is if if you can find something you're passionate about, work at it, try to get a little bit better every time as you go. Just like you said, Kyle, that that's all you can ever ask for in life is 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 that opportunity. And you know, for for Dominic to reach out to me in 2017 and say, "Hey, how would you like to how would you like to to join a board and 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 give a voice, you know, to the fans and sure. I mean, I, I had never done a podcast before 2017 and thankful I've had the opportunity to do that for, for the time that I did, you know, something new that I, that I didn't even know existed and, and look at what it's done. I mean, I, I couldn't have been more grateful to Dominic for, for the opportunity to, to provide a voice, you know, and, and now for, for, for him to, after three plus years of, of, of steering us in the right direction, uh, obviously heading to, as we will say, greener pastures, uh, you know, uh, it, it, I will say it's been an honor and a pleasure to, to work with you. I know you're still going to be out at the games when fans will eventually be allowed back into the games, you know, but, uh, but uh, you know, you, you know you will always be welcome at this show, no matter what the situation. I, uh, I know. If we, if we pull off a USL title, I'm going to reserve the right to hop back on here for that. Because um, that would be pretty incredible to uh, talk about that and uh, give, a, give us perspective on, on what's, what that means, you know, as someone who's been following the club for four years now. Jeff, you've been following it for even longer than that. A lot of people that listen to us have been following for even longer than that. So uh, it would be cool to kind of give a glimpse into that if the situation arises like that. But um, it, it's been really cool. It's been really cool working with you. You mentioned Kyle Kepner. Kyle Kepner is someone I absolutely have to shout out. Um, so instrumental in starting Firebird Soccer. And so instrumental in just being a mentor. Um, you know, I would message him a lot January and February of 2017 about, hey, you know, who should I reach out to? I have this idea to start the show, but like, I can't do it myself. I don't, I know this club's been around. I haven't covered it. Who should I reach out to? And, and him giving your name, Jeff, and then, you know, saying, okay, well, these are 
these are the things you should do in the press box. These are the things maybe you shouldn't do. Um, I definitely had to learn a couple hard lessons, but, uh, <laughs> but that was, that was all good. You know, um, shout out to, you know, the Phoenix rising front office and particularly to Jose Bosch for giving us the access that we had all these years to cover the team. Um, you know, back in 2017, there was a early away match at Los Dos and he was able to get me a press pass to cover the match with the Los Dos announcers and talk to those guys a little bit um, and just get a unique perspective in addition to, you know, the coverage we were able to get on the home ground, get those post-match interviews. Um, and then even to come in, you know, sometimes during the week and, and talk to players, we had some great interviews I'll, I'll always love the interviews that we had with uh, with Joe Farrell, with Devin Vega talking about fashion. Um, that was pretty pretty funny. Um, with David Rappaport last summer, he he came in and, and gave us some time. That was awesome. Um, I know he gave you a great interview back in 2017, um, Jeff, which was such an awesome listen. But you know this this show and kind of the rising family it's all about welcome welcoming people in with open arms and you know we're grateful that listeners have given us the time of day um but it's all about serving the fans giving the fans a voice um and kind of like encouraging open dialogue because you know had people not opened their arms to me at the beginning we wouldn't be where we are right now and you know, that's what I want to do now is to give give other people that opportunity. Um, that's that's what it's all about. Um, this club has just been so great at welcoming people in, giving them the time of day. And I think that's something that everyone who follows this club loves about it. I know I do. I don't know if that was just a crazy ramble, but <laughs> I don't no, know. I mean, go for it. Kyle. I, I, I was just gonna say. I, I mean, I, I absolutely everything you guys are saying, and and like I said, and I'll say it again. I'm ju- I'm just thankful that you know, you guys let me come on, accepted me with open arms, and uh, you know, I'd never been on a podcast before before I started this this venture with you guys either, and. Um, personally you know i've seen you know my my ability to speak and and just to you know communicate with others has grown and and it's just being able to you know see people at the games that you know you listen to the podcast and being able to talk to them about it and just get their opinions and it we really have formed our own little community and and it's it's just so great to see it grow and and to see that you know we're all inclusive and and we really just all we care about is supporting this team and supporting one another and and being able to find that you know um, mutual interests that that everyone has, you know, in this team. It's it's been so great, and and I just really look forward to it. I I look forward to you know both of you guys coming back and and guest hosting whenever whenever you guys have have the opportunity. Um, but I really you know I'm just I'm just so excited that uh, for you, Dominic, this is a huge next step in your life, and 
you know, being able to, you know, see that, that you need to step away from the podcast. It's a, uh, it's a very mature decision and, and I'm just, you know, hopeful for, for you and your wife and just wish you guys all the best. Appreciate that. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, one of those things. I was losing a few miles per hour off the fastball with covering the team, so to speak. You know, there are other things that take your time, other things that matter. And, you know, everything going on around us gives perspective, too. Um, yep. You got to really focus on what's right in front of you, the people that are there with you every day. Um, and I just want to give that my all right now so that um, those relationships can continue to grow and improve. Um, and I'll still I'll still cover this club. I'll still watch the matches. It'll still be fun. But uh, that's, you know, I actually learned from Jeff when he stepped away and, and from Matt back in 2017. Um you know, them showing that, look, there are times where you need to make the very concrete things priorities in your life. That was kind of a lesson that I saw, too. And uh, now it's time to emulate that and uh, and focus on those things. But it's uh, it's been fun. I appreciate your guys' words. And uh, I do want to make things a little bit, a little bit more fun before we step off. So I kind of want to throw... Some questions that you guys, before we go, maybe they're things that, that our listeners wanted to hear. Maybe they're not. But what's one episode that stands out for each of you guys? Oh, one episode. Oh, man. Um, I mean, there, for me, there's there's a few. I, I always look forward to our season previews um, every year. Just Just, you know, the sheer amount of information and research that went into it i mean it was one of those episodes that you really had to you know look into all these teams and and to develop opinions um because i mean if if you gave a bad take you were definitely going to be called out on twitter for it um those ones were always fun but then i mean for me i think just when we made it to playoffs and you know being able to to discuss those playoff games um for you know i've supported phoenix rising since the arizona united days and and being able to, you know, finally have a club that we could be proud of and talk about for me, I think those were, were my favorite episodes personally. Wow, for me, I would I would say when we first found out that uh, that Dragua was was actually coming to Phoenix, I think you know we. I, obviously we didn't have the access to get to him and ask him the questions that we wanted to and everything like that. And I understood, I understood that, but just the fact that we had the opportunity to cover him, to watch him play, to be able to just sing his praises for everything he had done, not just on the field, but off the field as well. I, I think those episodes where we focused on him a lot I think those those were really fun episodes just because you knew when you were talking about him and when you were talking about what he had done, he made everybody around him a better person. 
myself included in the times that we even had little media scrums with, with him after a game where he would be gracious enough to, to answer a few questions, you know, just his, his depth and his knowledge and his understanding of everything. Uh, you know, you, you couldn't ask for anything better. And, and I think those are the episodes that I'll remember the most. Yeah, those, those, you know, Drogba episodes in early 2017, that was such a time of hope because, I mean, we were we were the only team, you know, the only people consistently covering this team, you know, with a podcast at that time. And all of a sudden you have this amazing name, Didier Drogba, coming to Phoenix, and we're the people that get to talk about it and tell that story. That's pretty crazy. Um so it was just it was something that we could not have possibly imagined when we were starting this thing three months earlier, and now you have standing room only packed house um, to watch Didier Drogba just give a halftime speech, you know, um, and the kind of growth and interest for the club, and uh, and you know, as a response, like in our show, that was pretty wild stuff. Um, <laughs> You know, and not and not only that, but you see the 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 change in in coverage all around this. You know, all around the city, you see you see TV stations start to show up on a regular basis. You see newspapers starting to to edge out every once in a while. You get somebody from the Associated Press that shows up and covers it. I mean, when when does the Associated Press ever go out and cover a second division soccer club? The only reason why is because it's Didier Drogba. Granted, I know the person who who covered that game. Um, you know, he, he's a he's a good friend and and a former colleague that that used to help us out at the Arizona Republic at times. Um, but just to see how he impacted coverage of this team in this state is was exponential and you know obviously you go from being able to have seats in a press box every single week to well now where are you going to put everybody because everybody wants a piece of them you know i mean it's just it's just amazing and and now to see i'm so glad to see that teams are uh, that that papers and the tv stations all around the valley are still covering this club even despite after the fact that he's left. I mean, obviously the, the, the 20 game winning streak last year, you know, last year had a big thing to do with that, but for, for people to still stay on, I mean, even TV stations staying on and still covering this team in the midst of a pandemic is a wonderful thing to see. And, and, and I, I don't think we'll ever be grateful enough for everything that, that Drogba did uh, in, in his time here. Yeah, he was, he was such a game changer. Um, another, another episode that really stands out for me was the, you know, after we won the 2018 Western conference final and, uh, you know, Kyle, you were on that. Aaron was on it. Um, Kevin Gates was on it too. Cause he went for the trip. So we wanted that perspective too. I think just recapping that match took like 50 or 55 minutes, probably the longest match recap we've ever had. <laughs> but uh, but just the excitement was so palpable at that time. Um, 
because the club was just playing their hearts out and, you know, really achieving everything that they could that season. I mean, I think you play that match in Orange County against that team. I think Orange County wins that match a majority of the time. They had the stronger team on paper. They were less worn out because they had two easy playoff wins. Um, and we were coming off a tough playoff match the week before against Swope. Um, but just the feeling after defeating our nemesis in Swope and then going to OC and taking them down in dramatic fashion, um, the excitement that week was just something so special. And uh, I won't ever forget that one. That was That was great. Um, are there any, are there any rants that you guys remember from time to time? Because, you know, every once in a while, a situation comes along and you just got to rant about it. Oh gosh. I think the only rant that I remember was when, you know, back in 20, was it was a 28 was it it was it was 2018 when uh when patrice left the club and and chance uh came on i think almost all of us immediately called for him to get the full-time job i mean it it wasn't a matter of well yeah you give him you, you slap the interim tag on him for the second time but you know I think we all thought at that point he had had the one, he had had the one shot before and did a great job in filling in. You, you slapped the tag on him for a second time, you know, to, 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 to me, there was no need for the, for the interim tag to even be put on, on, on Rick's name. I thought all along after, you know, Patrice left to, to go to the African league, um, my, you know, my immediate first thought was give, give Rick the permanent job. He deserves it. He's earned it, you know, and, you know, lo and, lo and behold, granted, it took him to get to the end of the season and get through the playoffs and everything for him to, to get the interim removed. But I think, you know, that to me was the biggest rant that I ever had. Yeah, that was a, uh... That was, I think there was definitely a feeling of disrespect at that time that, wow, you know, he put himself out there for a couple months in 2017, kind of kept the club afloat until uh, Carter Owens steadied the ship. And then he comes in and, you know, right away they crush a couple teams and he's still just going to be the interim guy. Um, I think that was having that kind of uncertainty must have been hard for him to stomach. But uh, and, and it was definitely hard for us to see. Kyle, was there uh, was there any rant that stands out to you that you made or someone else made? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely. I mean, for for myself, um, I know I, I've been particularly tough on refereeing in the past, and and you know, getting on these pro referees and, and some of their their calls. The uh, the one that stands out is that San Antonio match. Um, that that game in and of itself, I mean, it just boils my blood. But I mean, for me, any time we can start, you know, to get Aaron worked up and into a frenzy, 
Um, for me, I, I mean, I just I love to sit and watch that guy's face get red and just watch him, you know, start to go off. <laughs> um, it, I mean, it's it's literally I mean, it, people don't always get to see, you know, our Skype sessions in the video. But uh, when Aaron has his video on and he starts ranting and starts using Oive, I think those are some of my favorite times. <laughs> <laughs> just, just get Aaron talking about Don Garber passing Phoenix up for MLS. Yes. Yes. <laughs> It's like the nuclear button for him. <laughs> oh man, yeah, the his his take on Columbus during that save the crew that was that was something. Oh man, oh, man. we had to do damage control on that for a week oh, after. Yeah. <laughs> man, it, it's just I just have such a good time. It's always just so fun. It's it, the way I would compare it to it's just like going to a pub and, and hanging out with a few friends and, and talking about the game. We, you know, we try to keep it organized. Um, but, but I mean, ultimately we're just having a good time every time we talk about this team and, and it, it just, it's so organic. It's, it just comes naturally for us that, uh, I mean, every, every episode, it seems like we, we always just pull it together. Um, and you really, you've been the conductor, the one keeping us on track. So going forward, that's going to be the one thing that, uh, I'm really going to have to work on and look forward to. You know, it can be pretty rewarding. It's uh, it's not too tough. And it is, you need to get those rants out there sometimes. There's, man, I remember there was one match in 2017. It wasn't even a play. Okay, both the Swill Park matches, the last two in 2017, were just total BS. But the the regular season one, that rant might have been the uh, the one that was just completely unhinged. Because <laughs> I think that match, like, the ref gave two awful penalties to Swope, and they were doing nothing on offense that match. Like, we were up, like, 1-0. And that's was, back, like, we were struggling to win games. You know, Omar Bravo was still starting, and uh, Drogba was just starting with us. And, you know, every point mattered. And, 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 and the, if I remember right, didn't we get a red card in that match too? I think one of those might have been one of the penalties may have been a red or something different. It was just a ridiculous, ridiculous performance by that official. And then I think we got like a makeup call and I was watching on the Swope feed because back in 2017, that's the only feed you have. And they were like complaining about how rigged that call was at the end and how it cost them the match. And I think I was like, you shouldn't have even been in that position to begin with. That was such trash that they were even winning that match. Um, so that one, that one definitely comes to mind. And man, I, I guess, you know, I feel like Rick Schantz must have had the guys listen to our episode after that loss to Orange County last year. Because Aaron and I were just slam dunking all over that atrocious performance, you know, Fans were like calling for Rishans to be fired at that point, and even we were like, "Man, after that, we got to take it seriously." And then they won twenty straight, so something must have happened. <laughs> but those are those are two that uh, that I won't I won't forget anytime soon. Um, what? This isn't so much about like uh, your experiences covering the club, but. If there's one thing you could change about Phoenix Rising's last three seasons, 
what would it be? Like one match you could just change the outcome. Or one situation you wish had, had gone differently. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's it's definitely that 2018 Cup Final. Um, you know, it would have been amazing to send Drogba off the right way, you know, with, with the USL Cup. Um, but I mean, really, I think that that match itself was a great um, lesson in a growing point. And, you know, I having Rick Schantz, you know, being the manager in that match and, and, you know, making it to the final, but failing to win it. I think, you know, in his future as a coach, that's going to be, you know, a huge, um, huge form of development. And, and I really, you know, this club, I think we've learned a lot from that. We've seen, you know, how a team like Louisville can get it done consistently, consistently year after year. And I think, you know, ever since that match, that's, you know, kind of what we've aspired to do ourselves. So while, you know, the result didn't go our way, I think we've we've grown a lot from that game. There was one game I'd go back and change. I think I maybe I'd go back and change the opening round of the 2017 Cup. Yeah. Uh, I mean, granted, it happened over two days. I understand the reason why that happened and why, you know, but I mean... Gosh, we go back and we if we if we just change the, the the penalty kick takers and you know you sit there and you think well what if and what if and what that, if, you know that you match know. is probably the match where there's the most what ifs from it yep. because first off it's just my opinion they should not have played that match that Saturday at all if they knew that there was going to be a storm and they weren't willing to move the start time up they should have just played that match on Sunday from the get go. Because Johnson, who was our MVP that year, and Sam Hamilton were both out at halftime, so we only had one sub for the remaining 75 minutes. Yeah. And I think Didier Drogba even liked a tweet that I put about that uh, with the Rising is One account. Um, like how much of a disadvantage that was because we were down to one sub for the rest of that match. Yeah, because I mean that was a that was a huge disadvantage of losing Johnson right at the you know right at the end of the half. And it was because, and it was because of the conditions. I think both guys had like leg injuries that either happened from like hitting the ground the wrong way or just like pulling muscles. Yeah, and you know, and then you know, obviously, you know, not using Drogba, you know, in in the penalty kicks, they were save they were supposedly saving him towards the end. And we were going, well, why wouldn't you put him right at the beginning and get the whole thing started? We always kind of questioned that whole situation, you know, as well. And, and it just kind of, we were like, what, huh? Yeah. We're not, using, we're not using him? No, no, you can't be right. Yeah. You know, so, but then, but then again, you, you know, play the what if game okay so so if we win that game we go on and we do better things you know does Drogba step down after 2017 if say if we win the cup that year and, and we don't even have a 2018 run you know I mean think about that too so yeah very uh very weird things to think about um there's one particular moment from that 2018 cup final though for me that's just I'll, it'll always come back to me until we win a USL Cup. And maybe even then it'll still be something I think about. And it's uh, Jason Johnson had a shot like in the 24th minute 
and it took a deflection off someone. And that ball should have been in the net. But the, the Louisville keeper, Ranjitsing, just made an unbelievable save on this shot. Um, you just don't see many goalies, especially at USL level, make a save off of a deflection like that on a low shot to begin with. Um, and I feel like if that ball goes in the back of the net, we can use the exact same tactics we used against Orange County, frustrate them, hit them on a counterattack goal, take the thing home, kind of like Monarchs did this last season. So that's that's always going to be one that, that grinds my gears. Yeah. I, I know exactly the opportunity you're talking about. And it's, it's you know, that whole game, It's it seems like, you know, we were so close. Um, and that's why, for, you know, for me, changing changing that result would, uh, you know, would be in my dream book. But, I mean, you know, the Swope Park game as well, that's one that, you know, that was our first taste of playoffs. And to have it, you know, end so poorly and so sour in our mouths, at, that too was one that, you know, will always stick out in our mind for, for all the wrong reasons. Um, but, I mean... It, it, What's crazy is, is, you know, these having to think of, you know, games that we would have wanted to change the results. in. when you look back at last year, there there really just wasn't many with how amazing this club was in 2019 and in the runs that they've been able to go on. Um, it, it really just speaks volumes about how how great this club is and how many how many big things they've been able to accomplish. What a. Because this will be my last question, and then we can just kind of get into deeper, you know, kind of final thoughts. What's your guys' favorite moment covering this club? Or favorite, you know, couple moments? It's hard to just choose one. Well, I think for me, it was right It was right after the, I mean, you brought it up earlier, the, the, the interview with David Rappaport that I did. Um, just the fact that the club was so open, so transparent, so willing to, to, to do anything, you know, I don't know of many other clubs that would offer that type of interview up for anybody. I mean, you know, it's hard to get members of upper management or even co-owners or, or so to speak in any other sport whatsoever to do any sort of speaking on, on policies of the club or, you know, what plans are in place or, you know, anything like that, you know, to me, you know, that's always been a highlight of my, you know, my time covering the club is, is having that interaction with them, not, not only with, you know, with, with David, but with, you know, the conversations I'd always have with Burke Kai, the conversations I always have with Bobby Dooley, uh, Sam Dorr, uh, you know, you name it. A- anybody with, with a higher, you know, authority in the club was willing to come up to you at any moment, say, hi, how you doing? How's life? I don't know many other teams that do that. So... I think that's my high point. For me, I mean, it's really just, you know, getting to meet, you know, the other 
other members of our community um, getting to for the one that really stands out is when we did, I think it was the 2018 World Cup where we had a, a live show with Kevin Gates at Arizona Sports Complex. Um, that I mean, that was a really cool thing that, you know, you don't see many podcasts do a live podcast and to do one like that, where I think we were on like Facebook live as well as we had our audio recording. That was a really cool thing. Um, and for me, it's just getting to connect, getting to do <clears throat> these guest interviews and, you know, having interviews with the players and just being able to have consistent content. I think that's been, been the one thing, being able to be a part of that. And, you know, when, when we're having a regular season and there's matches every week, knowing that, you know, the Rising is One podcast would have an episode out every Monday to Tuesday for the fans to listen to. Um, being a part of that is just it's it's brings so much fulfillment to me. Yeah, uh, I mean, a lot of those things all gave joy and stuff. I mean, um, I think it is really hard to boil it down to one thing. I think one major takeaway for me is just how fun the uh, the 2017 season was and how much joy and hope it gave me at kind of a bad point in my life. Um you know, like things, I tried to make things work with a, you know, a girlfriend at, from college and it didn't work out and I just was struggling with confidence and, and doing the show kind of gave me the confidence to open up more, to, you know, find new friends, find this new community and, uh, you know, things just started happening that year um, and it's, it just kind of changed like my outlook on life even, um, all because of this show and like what it gave me. I mean, then seeing the team, you know, thrive so much, it just gave so much joy at a time where, you know, I was struggling in school, um, struggling with, you know, just about everything <laughs> at that point. And, uh, it just, it was like a community. It was a place where I belonged and, and it was awesome. Um, so just throughout that year, you know, the feeling of, of covering this club and then, Oh man, it, going to New Mexico last season was super fun. We had an episode that got lost because it was like a phone recording as I was driving back from New Mexico and it, it didn't quite work out. But um, going out for that trip um, with my wife and with all the fans and and seeing how crazy of an atmosphere it was there and then you know seeing that late comeback too equalizer in the 89th minute and we're the only people cheering in the whole stadium and how loud it, we were throughout the match um that was really cool also you know kind of being there so that i could see what was actually going on between you know rising fans and new mexico fans and a lot of people on on a usl reddit and a lot of people were trying to say that we instigated and i was there so i could say that definitely was not the case um there was you know a, a couple new mexico supporters this one bald guy that was just trying to get up in people's faces and uh you know he ended up getting kicked out our guys including uh, mike vanderplass were allowed to stay after they were originally taken out um you know no no punches were thrown and that was good but you know just seeing like all the passion there for that match. I mean, there was a crazy atmosphere. Um, and, and like 
the feeling of uh, afterwards being able to celebrate with the team and it's just crazy. Um, one of those one of those nights where you just feel so emotionally spent um, because there's just there was just such a charged, passionate atmosphere. Um, so that was just really really fun. Um, I think those are two things that stand out. Even though you know there's been so much good that's come from this show, um, those things in particular. But uh, yeah, it's it's just been covering this club has been such a gift. It kind of came at the perfect time for me, and uh, I hope that this I hope that this club and this show, you know, give people a sense of belonging, the way that it did for me. That's I think this club tries to uh, create a family atmosphere for everyone that, that supports it, but I hope our show does that too. Um, I don't know. That's all I can say. I mean, you know, being that I came in, you know, later than everyone else, I wasn't an original member. I can, I can say it definitely has, you know, it definitely has given that feeling. And, and, you know, just even now, our ability to, you know, be a recognizable voice in the USL. And when we, when we travel to other, you know, stadiums or other, you know, clubs come and visit us in Phoenix, they know, you know, the rising is one guys and, and they'll recognize us, but not only us, but you know, the fans as a whole and in a community and just being able to, you know, freely interact with each other. It really is a blessing and it really does help, you know, give you that sense of longing that Dominic's talking about. I don't know any any final thoughts, guys. I mean, we've uh, we've been on a while now, and most of it has not been about team related stuff. So, I just want to give you guys the floor for any final thoughts. Well, first of all, I will say to you, and I know I've, I've said it already once before, but you know, thank you for the last three plus years that you've given to the to the podcast. Uh, it's totally been an honor and a pleasure to to work beside you. Uh, like you said at times, you know, teach you teach you a few things uh, along the way, um, but you know, without your vision of starting a podcast and and wanting to have a voice uh, uh, heard out there, you know, it's 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 just it's it's hard to see you leave, but but it's totally understandable why you're leaving, which is cool which is great. I mean, you, you definitely, you definitely deserve it. Um, I know, I know how you feel because obviously, you know, not in so many ways, but that's a lot of what I went through in the last year plus, uh, myself being away. So, uh, so, so I, I understand your plight completely, but yeah, you know, for, for everything you've done to get this thing started and, and to get a voice for the club, um, to keep the ball rolling, you know, thanks for everything you've done. Um, you know, best of luck to you. I know you're still going to be around from time to time and, you know, go, go be a dad. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Dominic. I mean, I, I, I'm gonna, you know, especially miss these Sunday chats, but uh, I, I mean, I still really look forward to us, you know, getting together and sitting in the supporter section and, and sharing a beer and just talking about, you know, the game. And 
you know, me, there's always a moment I feel like in every game where we'll look at each other and say, okay, are, you know, are we going to be able to pull this out? What, you know, what, what are we projecting is going to happen? And, and it's been so great. Yeah. Just getting close with you, with Aaron, with Jeff, with everyone. And, and I mean, man, I, I'm, you know, forever grateful to you for, for letting me come in and, and join your team. And, uh, like I said, you're, you're always welcome. And, you know, I, I really wish you and Tasha the best and, I just, you know, I hope to see you around um, once, you know, once your life does start to mellow again, out again. I hope that, you know, we get to see see more of you and, uh, you know, just wish you all the best in the world. Oh, man, I appreciate that, guys. Appreciate that a lot. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's been quite the journey. It's been super fun. Um, and there's there's just been like a couple of funny stories too, that, that maybe I'll leave people with. Um, I mean, there's just some pretty cool things you see as when you're covering the club. And one of them, I don't know how many people knew that in 2018, Larry Fitzgerald actually went to our, our second round playoff match. I saw him, uh, you know, sneaking in the back entrance, you know, 15 minutes after the match started. But, uh, but he got in there and that's, that's cool to see. Cause, um, the community was so, you know, all behind Phoenix rising and, and to see Larry Fitzgerald, who's just an icon of Arizona come and support us. That kind of gave me goosebumps. Um, that was really cool. Um, <laughs> last year, this is this is a fun one, so I won't I won't give many details. But um, you know, last year Phoenix Rising sets the uh, USL points record, seventy eight points, and uh, <laughs> I just go to the match. It's the same weekend as as my uh, wife's bachelorette weekend, so I you know I'm just going to the match with friends. I go home, whatever. Next morning, um, she calls me and she's like, "Guess who we hung out with?" and uh, <laughs> The Phoenix Rising people actually went to the same place um, as her and her friends. I won't give the place. I won't say anything else. But um, what a small world. Um, there's a lot of a lot of times covering this club where things just seem like such a small world. Um, there was a there was a cool interview I had with a Phoenix Rising youth coach in 2019 after they won the Dallas Cup. Um, the coach of the Dallas Cup team. And that was a pretty historic thing because, you know, a team from Arizona hadn't won that highest level of the Dallas Cup in like 40-something years. And then they did it under the Phoenix Rising name. Um, you know, that's going to have a big impact, I think, on uh, youth talent coming here and not to like Monarchs Academy or something crazy like that. Um, you know, the Barcelona Academy. And, uh, you know, kind of kind of the last one, and this one wasn't even Phoenix Rising related, but it was just such a cool experience, was um, covering the Man United Club America match at uh, University of Phoenix Stadium or whatever, State Farm Stadium now. Um, covering that with Jeff, I think Aaron and Ashley were taking photographs at that match. Uh, and it was just, you know, crazy here we are just these these little people we're not with any national media organizations and we're up there at that press box um 
you know, covering a match between, you know, Manchester United and, and Club America and having access to the post-match press conferences and Jose Mourinho is giving a post-match press conference. I'm like 15 feet from him. Um, and then, and then the, uh, the Club America manager, he was the guy that managed Mexico in the 2014 World Cup. Um, and he's an amazing personality too. Um, <laughs> and then taking a picture with him and almost getting in trouble for that. So, <laughs> I was waiting to see if you were going to bring yeah, that up. <laughs> can't forget that. <laughs> um, so there's just been so many awesome memories like that. So many cool stories like that. Um, so just, I don't know. Just wanted to share a few, but, uh, no, I know, I know the journey will continue and I'm really excited for the show moving forward. I think Ashley's going to be great. She's going to give us a fresh perspective, a fresh voice, hopefully get those player interviews starting again. I know I haven't had the time for that lately. Um, hopefully she can come in and, and get that going a little bit, but, uh, it's going to be exciting. And I think this is a great year for the club. I see big things happening this season um, and a big year for our show. I think it's going to keep on growing and I think she'll be an awesome addition. So I'm just, I'm just thankful for the chance I've had to cover this club and, uh, and, and for the beautiful game network too. They took us on despite having no experience, just kind of gave them a little a little bit of what our vision would be and they they put us on their network and gave us a platform so shout out to them too but uh it's been pretty cool i don't know anything else <laughs> i think that about covers it yeah no i mean it I, I really don't have anything uh anything left to say. Just just thank you, Dom. And I mean, you know, you're always you're always welcome back. And and we'll we'll all be you know looking uh looking at your Twitter and looking for any baby updates. And and we're just we're all happy for you and your family that you're starting. Thanks. Um. So I guess that'll do it for this week's episode of the Rising Is One podcast. Um. Be sure to check out. The episodes moving forward um, on the Beautiful Game Network, on um, Apple Podcasts, anywhere else you can find us. Um, this is Dominic Kearns, along with uh, Kyle, Mackie, and Jeff Went, and uh, go rising. Go rising. Go rising. Sponsored by the Arizona Sports Complex, home of the North Phoenix Soccer League, Summer Futsal, Box Lacrosse League, and Summer High School Advanced League. Please visit the Arizona Sports Complex and tell them the Rising's One podcast sent you. This episode is brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Golden Gold Press. 
Thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items just yourself and your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price from other places at goldengoldpress.com. Also, thanks to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Thanks also to the Beautiful Game Network and all the other excellent podcasts that you can find covering soccer and all 